0: Blue Chip Sports Network presents Get in the Game with Eric, Brian, Reggie, and Jordan on iTunes, the Blue Chip Broadcasting YouTube channel, and BlueChipBroadcasting.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Get in the Game. It's episode number 97, and tonight we are talking about the San Francisco Giants. And in another conversation, the NBA. And with me tonight, as always, is the entire crew. It's my partner, Brian Nelson, the kid Jordan San Maria, and the professor, Reggie Wright. And uh, gentlemen, it is good to see you all tonight, even though we are in four different places through the modern miracle of technology. Heaven only knows how we figured
0: that out. We you are know, and, all and, together. And Eric, Reggie and I figured that you had missed seeing our handsome faces for so long because we'd seen each other. That you just—we knew you needed this just to give you a little Turlock, you know, handsomeness.
1: You know, I, I appreciate that, but I got plenty of Reggie handsomeness when we were in Disneyland together for a week, and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm good there.
2: Let me clarify. There, there were others there. <laughs> it wasn't just the two of us. Okay. I don't know. Well, I need to make that abundantly clear right now. Reg,
1: <laughs> I got a picture of you and I on Alice in Wonderland together. So. Oh, God. That
0: sounds like Jordan. That needs to go up on the on the, uh Chip Broadcasting Instagram.
3: Which one was wearing the LCB. Mickey ears? That's the question. Which one was wearing the Mickey ears? <laughs> oh, I got money on Reg. Reg,
0: for sure. Because oh. um, Eric, Eric had a Stormtrooper hat on. Yeah. There <laughs> on. you go.
1: There you go. <laughs> I tell you what, that was, it was fun though. It was fun. There's nothing like Disneyland through the eyes of your grandkids and children. We had a ball, but we are glad to be back. And uh, we got back just in time to uh, watch the Giants in the playoffs. And uh, as we all know, that took a difficult and disappointing turn, but let's talk about the San Francisco Giants 2021 in uh, the season they had. And, you know I'm appreciative of Jordan who came in his giant gear uh, he's he's wearing the lid making me feel good.
3: Uh, I came ready to go
1: a <laughs> att- att- boy oh att- att- boy so overall how many of us h- how many of us saw this one coming 107 wins
2: Watson Watson did I can hear him he was all he was all up on the Giants this year.
0: Hey, since he's been born, they've only won 100. You know, they had the best record in baseball, set a franchise record of 107 ah. wins. Right, it's all he's ever known. Yep.
2: <laughs> what was it? Uh, wasn't it like, man, when the park first opened, they had uh, some guys like Guido Sarducci had Portuguese water dogs out in McCovey Cove that he every time someone would uh, hit a home run, he'd he'd uh, have them jump off off his yacht or something out there, and they'd they'd swim to it and fetch the ball. Um, Brian, I, I think you have, you have uh, the makings of something great with Watson, you know, like they have, uh, like in sports, they have octopi that pick uh, national championship winners and uh, like all the, like animals involved in sports. Right. You know, there's a story there, Brian, just waiting for you to write it.
0: I, I'm sure Reg. I'm going to need all the help I can get. So
2: <laughs>
1: I thought you were about to say, you could use all the Alpo you could get.
0: Um, he doesn't and get it. That's Alpo. true. Because Watson is not tiny. <laughs> No, he is not. Eric got to experience that in full, uh, full color uh, of his big white coat the other when he was here a few weeks ago. So yeah, that dog
1: is no more a puppy than I can rise and fly. He's as big as Jordan. Now let's start with Jordan because you're with the lid. You get to go first. What was the thing that gave you the most enjoyment with this giant season this year? What was it that you appreciated the
3: most? Well, I'll tell you, Eric. I mean, we did the preview, and I think, and we got to give you credit. I want to say that you were the only one that chose them to be either 500 or above. I mean, I'm not sure, Brian. I don't know what you might have been right. I said a good year would
0: be
1: 500.
3: I said, if they played right. 500, I'd be uh, happy.
1: Oh, that's rephrasing history right
3: there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I buried them. I buried them. I said, 60 wins 65 wins like I had them having a horrible year so I think overall definitely pleasant surprise um a a lot of exciting things that we're going to get into but just just nice to see them be competitive and not only that I mean exceed expectations win 100 plus games get into the playoffs um and at least create you know some good memories for this season so pleasant surprise overall I think
1: I I think you're right I think that the I can't take too much credit. I think I went out on a limb and had them between 80 and 85 wins. I only missed (laughs) by 22 myself, so it's not like I was that close. Um, But I tell you, being the first to 40 wins, the first to 50 wins, the first to 60 wins, all the way through 100, they were consistently the first. That means they never had a had a period where they really took their foot off the gas pedal and had other people exceeding the way that they played. And you know, Reg for you what was it that you enjoyed most um, about the 2021 season
2: um i enjoyed watching offense for a change you know we've gone through a, a long period where um uh, the giants like it was a, it was a miracle if they scored four runs and everything you know and won the game 4-3 um uh, but this year you know leading the league in home runs that was exciting i mean that was my favorite part i think i think they they made great strides you know i thought i thought that they had the makings of something last year even in the even in in the it wasn't a bubble but you know whatever the the shortened the the covid mm-hmm. year um because they were they were competitive and they were in it they were at at 500 last year but they had some glaring holes in the bullpen and I think they they worked to shore up some of those. I wish they would have done a little bit more considering the position that they were in at the trade deadline to really get one final piece. I think that would have been enough to push them over and get them through um, uh, maybe all the way to the World Series. Uh, I think that was the one thing they were missing. But I, I love that their, their offense improved and their defense improved. Um, you know, you, you, you had guys like Donovan Solano who was – you know, atrocious last year, um, kicking balls all over the place, but he, he became a defensive replacement and Brandon Crawford, MVP defense. Uh, you know, having Buster Posey back, I think that makes a huge, a huge impact on a, on a clubhouse also. Um, and so, I mean, I, I just think there were a lot of good things. There were a lot of good things. So Brian, as I look, as I look to you, our resident giant
1: historian and stat King of all time.
0: You wanted to One say freak. One of the freak, things
1: I want you to know. Wanted to say
0: freak. <laughs>
1: I, I, I was I was thinking freak or geek, but then I you know I I I, I toned it back Um, because what I really want to know, and and you tend to be, you know, in in our partnership and our friendship, um, you tend to be the realist, and I tend to be a little bit more of the. Whatever, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but it's not realist.
0: High-level optimist.
1: There you go. <laughs> um, but at what point this year? At what point this year did you start to believe that the team was for real? That's my, I'm I'm really curious because I wasn't there to to live it with you like I normally have.
0: I think when they came out of the All Star break and they had that daunting schedule, and they not only played. 500. They played above 500 into that schedule, which then I think gave Farhan the ammunition to go get Chris Bryant. That's when I knew they were legit because that was where I saw okay, I think they had to come out, they had to play the Dodgers. I can't remember who it was. was They had to play the the Astros. I mean, it was brutal. It was brutal. And they won every series they won every series and that's when i knew they were legitimate and then when you added chris bryant who was a perfect fit for this team and and i'll tell you red you talked about the bullpen they made a very under the radar bullpen pickup at the trade deadline that his absence due to injury in that playoff series i think really hurt them and that was tony watson he was outstanding. yeah I, I think
2: that's a fair assessment and he got hurt. I think that's a fair assessment. I, I still, you know, I, I wish.
1: You I, I, wish
2: they, I Well, I just wanted another option than, you know, what, a 22-year-old rookie who's never pitched in the playoffs before as your shutdown guy. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think Duvall is going to be phenomenal. But, you know, on, with a team that's won 107 games, it'd be nice to have a little bit of experience in that scenario rather than trying to, you know, let a rookie cut his teeth.
0: True, but I think having Watson – would have allowed them Tony Watson. I mean, not the dog. Yeah. Um, right. Tony Watson would have lengthened that pen at the back end where capital uh, really trusted them. And I think that yeah. could have made a difference in that series. Um, but I think
2: Eric, Did for you me, just it was it, Tony Watson, not the dog. Did you just yeah, say Watson? Cause I said not Watson and, okay. I, and we had talked okay. about Watson earlier. So I want to make sure <laughs> I differentiated the two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, because people would have been confused about Watson being on the
2: roster. I, I
0: get it. But you have to was remember, that Eric, there are some Brian, people... when I
2: said when I said you had the opportunity for a story, I wasn't talking about, like, Airbud. You know, I, I was thinking, like, just like, a,
0: but like you a, fun, have to remember, a fun
2: puff piece.
0: Some people listen to us as a way to help them get through the night. My wife. And sometimes they don't hear all of it because they're dozing in and out. And I didn't want her to think that we had put Watson on the Giants.
1: Wait, 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 wait. I have to go back. I have to go back to Aaron listening to us to get through the night. What
2: kind of nightmares do you have over there in that house? Right. Not only that, she's got the live 3D, you know, thing in the flesh right there.
3: (laughs) you got oh. you got brian brian because I'm, I'm sleeping brother i'm sleeping he's like this is gonna be the good part this could be a good part
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh eric's about to get roasted
0: <laughs> uh, i didn't say no. it was, puts her to sleep at night you know at least i said I, that you know that wasn't the case although I'm that has happened to, too I, all I know is if that
1: if if we're what gets Aaron through the night, we got to pray for Aaron. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is serious.
2: Uh, how oh. did I get
0: so digressed with a Giants conversation? Because you said I'm going and, 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 and just to
2: clarify, that. that's that's Aaron Bryan's wife, not Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Anyone was getting you know, as opposed to Tyler Rodgers, the
1: pitcher who. I just I I get iffy about, but anyway, we, we do. I, his twin brother
0: Taylor I saw across the street from the ballpark before game one of the DS, and that was weird because they Yeah, are but it would identical.
1: have been nice if he was in a Giants uniform. We would have. Yeah.
0: and I, I think had he not loved, got yes. hurt, he might have been in a Giants uniform. He got hurt yeah. two weeks for or a week before the trade deadline, and that I think put any interest of that to come to fruition to bed. So I, I think Eric, that's the question. So, Eric, I'm going to ask you this question you. Followed this from afar. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, But you did have access to the MLB TV, so that was helpful.
1: That was very helpful. Thank you.
0: Um, So (laughs) tell me who of the new guys impressed you and surprised you the most? One on the pitching staff and one at the plate. Of the new guys. New guys. Well, first of all, Logan Webb.
1: He's a dude. Logan Webb is somewhere right in between in terms of physical makeup and pitching ability. He is right in the middle of a Matt Cain, uh, Madison Bumgarner. He is, you know, he's got he's got a Matt Cain build. He's got a a, a Bumgarner like fastball that 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 isn't overpowering but has some great stuff to it, and a slider that I just I think Logan Webb is one of those guys that is going to be an ace. For years to come, as long as he stays healthy um, and continues to develop, because remember this kid's just 24. I think he turns 25 in November, and he put up Bumgardner-esque numbers in the postseason. One run in his two starts, and his two starts both went past seven innings, and he only gave up one run against the Dodgers, one of the most daunting lineups in baseball. In pressure situation and um I just think he he came on the scene and was just nice and consistent and then exploded in the second half and so from a from a pitching standpoint I'll take Logan Webb and um I would draft him and put him in any long-term keeper league that I could find um
3: I have the new guys off-
1: yeah he will be a keeper a let me move. tell you smart move uh, and then on the offensive side, oh, the the, the new guy. I guess, I guess Wade coming over from Minnesota would qualify as a new guy, and it's really not because of his overall numbers, but it's what the man did late in games, Brian. you probably got some numbers there. I don't know, but okay, his so late-night
0: heroics are. were stupid. Ninth inning or later. I want to say he was 13 for 22 with a home run and 11 RBIs yeah. in the ninth inning or later. So that means you're facing closers, big-time back-end bullpen guys, and you are hitting over 600. I think his OPS was almost 2,000. Was
2: on top of that. Well, and he almost did it again games. in game five. He missed it. He, he yeah, he just a foul ball.
0: It. He hooked it. He got yeah, lot he had a foul of ball bench. off
2: the off the bricks and right field, just, you know, 20 feet foul. Yeah, he had, I
1: think the number was nine hits in the eighth inning or later that tied or won a game. Nobody else was close. There were teams that didn't have that many. Um, and so for one kid who had not been particularly um, successful up until uh, this year, boy, that was That was nice to have. And, and it took me a while, but by the end of the season, if he came up in the late innings, I was real comfortable seeing him come to the plate. And I wasn't just, I wasn't, you know, hurting there for, why couldn't it have been Crawford? Why couldn't it have been Posey? You know, no, Wade, I'll take Wade at the end. So when he came up to
0: hit against Scherzer, didn't you feel confident? Yeah. That he, it was almost like, I was shocked that he took a pitch, they called the strike and it was in the box, but what, the way he set up, that didn't look like a strike. Um, It was almost shocking that he didn't get a hit. He had been that good in those situations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, let me ask this question. Let's kind of, I'm going to take a little bit of a dark turn here. And Jordan, would you, how many of the four old guys who had a phenomenal year, how many of them would you bring back? Now they've already offered cont- assigned a contract with Crawford, but how many of the Belt, Crawford, Posey, Longoria guys can we afford to bring back? Oh,
3: I've kind of always been a, a big proponent of of Buster and, and Brandon Crawford. I think Crawford definitely solidified himself as a guy. I mean, obviously the number well, – well, we already got a number for him, right? So he signed – what was it, Brian? Two years – Years. Two and 32, Three, two and 32. Right. So, I mean, obviously the year he had um, justifies that. And I think just his defense in general, I mean, as the best defensive shortstop in baseball helps us tremendously.
1: Um, I, he, he does not strike me as all. I mean, he obviously is, but you could look at him. He doesn't look athletic. Right. But that line drive, he took from 12 feet in the air, or 15 feet. I don't know how high that thing was. It, <laughs> I have no idea how he got up that high. The Mookie
0: mean, line drop You would
1: take him underneath the hoop,
3: right? Oh, oh, we're, we're meeting at the rim. I'm, I'm taking Crawford on every time. But I think <laughs> the, the funny part about Crawford is, is like, I think as giants fans, we get lucky. Cause like, I think the national audience only gets to see the highlight plays, but some of just like his basic, like, you know, going to his left and throwing a guy out and making it look easy. Like, it's unbelievable. And he's done it year in and year out. So I think we're definitely spoiled with Crawford at short. And then Posey, just, just in terms of of the pitching staff and keeping all those guys calm and, and the way he, he moves and handles his business has always helped us. Now, on the other hand, I've never, I've never been a big belt guy. That's just, that's been my thing. I know he had a big year this year. I mean, he finally, 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 he had 29 bombs, I think this year. Yep, so he yep. finally hit a yep. number that was like, thank you. Like, where <laughs> has that been my whole life? Um, But I think it's just hard. Cause if he goes out to the open market, how many teams of the short porch and right field or American league will want him, you know, and that he can probably hit that, those type of numbers on, on a yearly basis. But I, I don't think he's a guy that I would go over the top for at all. Um And, and Longoria, I just think I'm kind of over just because he only played half a season. Um, And I know he could be a trade piece later on, but I don't think he's a a guy that we bring back either. So I think yes,
0: if you don't bring Longoria, you got to trade him him because he's got a year and an option
3: on his contract. Right. I I think we definitely trade him for something. Maybe, you know, minor league pitchers or, or a bullpen guy, something like that.
1: Agree or disagree, Reg?
2: Um, I agree. Well, I mean, obviously Crawford's already locked up. Um, and I, and I think I agree with Jordan based on what he did this year. I think, I think, I think that's a pretty reasonable contract, honestly, two years at 32, um, 16 mil per that's, I mean, he definitely, um, played to that level this year. And with the, with the guys that are going to be on the market and the numbers that they're going to command anyways, if you look at what Lindor got last, uh, was it last offseason that he signed? Uh, he, no, yeah, he, he signed the up.
0: extension with the Mets for three hundred. That's right. Million. He signed it.
2: Yeah, that he got traded last year and then signed at the beginning of this year for just a stupid number. And then goes out and hits a buck ninety. You know, so um, I think there's value in that deal. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that you. I mean, I know Farhan's a real numbers guy, and I really appreciate that. That's kind of speaking my language. But I think that you do whatever you can to get Buster Posey to retirement in a giant's uniform uh, because he's going to make a great manager someday if he decides to stick around the game. And uh, I think that's a bridge that you definitely don't want to burn. And then Longoria has been, you know, my favorite MLB player for the longest time. But I mean, if, if you look at where he's at in his career and where Chris Bryan is at in his career, um, it just makes sense to offer Bryant the money and slide him in at third base. And then Brandon Bell, I'm a Jordan. I'm just, you know, I mean, I, you know, he's come up big in, in certain moments and he's been a giant for a long time. I don't have anything against him, but I'd like to see a little more consistent production at first base.
1: Right. I know this is kind of your area. You love to play GM <laughs> as if, I, I mean, your checkbook is almost as big as Farhan's, but not quite.
0: Almost. Um, <laughs> yeah right don't we all wish yeah we wish um um i here's here's you what do. i look at buster will be back for as many years as he wants they'll figure the money out that's like you said reg he's going to retire a giant he doesn't want to play anywhere else they're not i can't see him anywhere else he's this year in my opinion i thought he was a hall of fame player before this year this to me solidified him as a hall of fame player to be able to come back at 34 years old hit over 300 hit almost 20 home runs, lead a young, inexperienced journeyman pitching staff to the second-best whip, one of the best ERAs in baseball, that, to me, goes beyond just statistics. Uh, so, to me, that's a no-brainer. I think he they will sit down. I'm sure Buster and his wife will figure out how many more years he wants to play. And they'll sit down with the giants and they'll hammer out a fair deal, whether that's, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to play one more, pick up. The option will be done. Or, you know what? I'd like to play two or three or whatever. And they'll get that figured out now because do they you, want, do the you have certainty. any
2: concern? Legitimate question though, Brian, do you have any concern? Cause Buster's a family man. Um, we know that based on, you know, his opt out last year to adopt uh, two kids and, you know, just spend some time at home with his family. Um, do you have any concern at all, though, that there may be a part of him that would want to finish near home in Atlanta? I mean, he grew up no. in Georgia. he's um, already said um, no. They, they, they live full brave. time. No, they
0: live full time in the Bay Area. They live full but time. Mean, he in the grew East up Bay. in
2: Atlanta, or he, yeah, I know, so he grew
0: up in Georgia. No, their foundation is based here in, in Northern California. He's already said he will. He only wants to be a giant. And that's not a great negotiating tool when you say, I only want to be with one organization. He's not going anywhere. I thought you were going to ask Ridge: is there any chance you think he hangs him up? And that I think is a possibility. I don't think it's probable, but I think it is possible.
2: I think my my personal opinion on that, I think if they would have won it all this year, he would have. Oh, he would have walked
0: away had they won it all. I think there's no question.
2: Yeah, but I don't think he can do it with this taste in his mouth, knowing how close they were, I, I think he comes back next Well, it year.
1: goes for, for me and Buster. There's there's two things. The announcers dropped this this great piece of knowledge. Uh, I think it was like 20, 20, 22 or 23 shutouts pitched in the postseason history by San Francisco Giant pitching. And Posey's been behind the dish for 13 of those. 13 shutouts in the postseason. That tells you all you need 14, to know.
0: It's actually fourteen or fifteen now because he had two in this series. There you go. Uh, it's
1: that is that that's crazy talk. That that should put him, you know, if without a doubt the pantheon of all time great giants, but definitely um, world. I mean, Hall of Fame worthy. And so I just I can't see us letting go of Buster. However, I would be concerned that. Buster only had 400 plate appearances or 400, uh, 395 official at bats this year. And I think that's all you can get out of him for the next couple of years. Cause, and that's probably why he was so effective for me. I think it comes down to, you know, Belt, Crawford, Posey and Longoria. I I love Brandon Bell. And I particularly his slash line was stupid. 274, 378 on base, 597 slugging, 975 OPS. But he only had 325 at bats because he was injured on multiple occasions. And that has been something that has been with him his whole career. And as much as I love the 29 home runs and think, yeah, maybe he's he has um figured it out. The question come that the question I will always ask is, would I rather have uh Brandon Belt or Chris Bryant? And to me, that is an easy answer. Go pay the money to Chris, get him whatever it takes. He's young enough to be here for five years, Uh, pay him and keep him.
0: Okay. I'm going to throw another scenario out here as we're going to start to look to the future. If you could find a taker for Longoria. And. I would give Belt the qualifying offer just so you get a draft pick, but I think someone's going to back up the truck and pay him a bunch of money, especially in the American League with a short porch. I lose Belt and Lagoria and Cueto's money, and I take that and I re-sign Bryant, and I put him at first base, and I sign Corey Seager, and I put him at third. Hmm. Okay. Just 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 thinking.
2: There's potential there. I mean, I, I think, yeah, there's there's potential there. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of other guys out there on the market though, too, besides Seeger. Um But I don't think Seeger's gonna cost you
0: Seeger's not gonna cost you what Correa is gonna cost you. Um I think Trevor Story is an interesting uh, and we'll talk more about hot stove probably in a couple of months. Yeah, First yeah, story is an interesting. Would see what happens with him. He did not have a good year at all.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so I think that's interesting. What are your? What is your take on Chris Bryant? Give me each of you. Give me a number that you would be comfortable with in paying him because you can't give him a qualifying offer because he got traded in the middle of the year. So if he walks, you get nothing. What is a number you guys are comfortable with?
1: Years I think my
2: limit. I think my limit is six years at twenty per or whatever that works out to. Six hmm. and one
3: twenty.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say five at thirty and go to
0: one fifty. Hmm. Okay. So I'm gonna tell you that probably will happen. You would get him, Eric, for that, Ridge. I don't think you would get him for six and one twenty. Jordan,
3: what about yeah, you? Yeah. I, I think I think you gotta go and get him for whatever. <laughs> I mean, I know where, that's where, where, not the your cap? Way. I way. Mean, I think 150 is anything over 150. You start, you got to start looking at it a little bit. But I think 150 is probably the sweet spot. But I think in general, the Giants have to go after the guys that the blue chip guys for a, for a better word of saying it because you you learn like we had a great season, but then you go play the Dodgers and you see all these dudes: Turner, Seager, Bellinger, all these guys, and at some point. You're not gonna win against those type of guys. I, I mean, I'm just a big believer in that. The Giants have done a great job of finding the, the journeymen and turning them into having great seasons and you know, they have sputters of success. But at some point, I just feel like the the talent comes to the to the top and and we struggle in those in those certain
1: but equally important to that to me, Jordan, is not only does he have the talent but he has the personality and temperament that fits in that clubhouse. Right. He, he is not, not that there's anything wrong with it, but he is not the flamboyant out there. Me first, or, or, you know, look at me guy. Like if I had a chance to have Fernando Tatis, would I take him? Absolutely. But would he fit in this clubhouse? It would be a little bit of, he would be uncomfortable. Everybody else would be uncomfortable that's not a that's that's not a great place for him. It's not where they're going to thrive. But I think Bryant can thrive here, and and Brian, you probably have your ears closer um, to the heartbeat. There, uh, it, are are we right in that? Does he fit in that clubhouse the way we think he fits?
0: I, I don't think there's any question he fits, and I think Watson says
1: yes. Bring him <laughs> back, sign him at all costs. And that wasn't Tony Watson the pitcher. It was Watson the dog.
0: And by the way, he's on the completely other end of the house, and you can hear him that loudly. That's the (laughs) scary part. Um, But I think he's a fit. He likes San Francisco. The Giants pulled the red carpet out. I thought he was good, not great in the regular season, but I agree with Jordan and what Eric said. Who were the only guys for the Giants in the playoffs that hit?
1: Bryant,
0: Crawford, Posey. Posey. And Longori had a big home run, but other than that, he didn't do much. He had one hit. That was it. Dudes, you get big dollar guys get paid for what they do in October. Case in point, the team that took them out, Betts, Bellinger. Dudes did not have great regular seasons, but when the lights get the brightest, they're money. And there's something to be said for that. And, and I think you've seen it with the teams that are still around. A lot of nice players, a lot of great stories. Tampa's a perfect example. They don't have dudes, and they got shut
3: down in, Guys, in a short do series. We, do we have any concerns that, that Farhan might not go and spend the big bucks to go get a guy, like he won't reach to get a guy? I've just been reading a few articles lately, and he – I mean, I know it's it's how you phrase it, and I know he's going to be competitive and things like that, but I just want the Giants to – they finally have the money. They finally have guys coming off, you know, the paychecks. Let's go and get the guys and be competitive to get dudes, not just journeymen guys. I mean, I feel like we're in a spot right now that's, like, pivotal for the next five years to go and get players. Here's and I'm I just think. a little worried that Farhan gets a little – you know, Oh, that's too much, and no, then pulls off, and then we go get a different guy that's not a dude.
0: Here's what I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see the Giants offer, for maybe somebody like Bryant, the highest AAV average annual value, but I don't think they'll be willing to go the years. They're not going to go six years on him. I think they would much rather go four and 110, 112, which is 27, 28 mil a year, but on a shorter deal with maybe a fifth-year vesting option that maybe pushes the total to 120. And if he ends up vesting, he gets the 150, like you talked about, Eric. But they they're not going to go long. Those are scary contracts. They typically don't work. I'll tell you right now, the Mookie Betts contract, the Francisco Landorcho contract already doesn't look good. The Fernando Tatis contract, you're paying for the front end of the contract, knowing you're going to have some dead money on the back end. And the shorter you can make those the less dead money you typically deal with on the backside. So I think just watching how he operates, I think he's going to put money out there, but I think it's going to be high annual short years because those long contracts are the ones that scare people. Look at the Crawford two years. I think if they sign belt, it'll be two years. I think they're going to be very short because remember they got dudes a coming. They're just a couple of years away.
2: I understand. I understand what you're what you're saying, though, Jordan. I'm thinking back to when he was in Los Angeles, and you know, really, what made the Dodgers good starting out was finding those guys, just exactly like what he's doing in San Francisco. You know, picking up Lamont Wade, a nobody from Minnesota, who just all of a sudden shows up and you know crushes twenty five homers. You know, seventeen of them, seventeen of them to go ahead in the seventh inning or later or whatever. Right? Like you know, these guys that just show up out of nowhere. Uh, it, like he put together an entire pitching staff of guys, you know, Dee Scalfani and Alex Wood, all these guys who are you know uh, <clears throat> average at best elsewhere, and then they and they show up in San Francisco and and um, just dominate. So um, he did that in in Los Angeles with Trey Turner and uh, no, sorry no, not Trey, Trey Turner, Turner. Justin <laughs> Turner and and like you know a bunch of other guys like that. Max Muncy,
0: um, Chris Taylor. Max Muncy, yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, guys like that. That's kind of his mo. But the thing that got the Dodgers out paying for guys like, um, you know, David Price when they brought him over, or um,
0: Mookie Betts uh, is the big
2: one. Mookie Betts, yeah, the, is the big one. But that, you know, and now and now it's like uh, Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. They're they're pushing all their chips on into the table. That's the that's the ownership group. That's like. The Magic Johnsons and the uh, uh, the guy that owns the Warriors, uh, his name slipping my mind
3: right now. Joe Lacob. Yeah, It's no, Joe no, Joe no, not like okay. it's it's no, 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 It's the... Peter Gruber. Peter Gruber. Gruber. Peter Gruber. Yeah, Gruber.
0: Gruber.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So th- it's those guys that are kind of that that kind of dictate. I think, in my personal opinion, that dictate those big moves. So I think what you'll see is Farhan do all the little stuff like he's been doing to improve the team. And it's going to come down to guys like Larry Bear um, who who say, like, yeah, go all in, let's do this. I want big-name guys to put, you know, fans in the seats and stuff like that. So we'll see.
0: Isn't it interesting, though, the Dodgers, you know, won the West until this year was like eight years in a row. Yep. Yeah. But they only won a World Series when they got a star in Mookie bets. Mm-hmm. You have to have position player stars. Don't you can't have a team full of them because that's too expensive, but you gotta have one or two that are just nails. And they had it with Posey and those in their prime. And, yeah. In their prime. You need a star in his prime. And I think Brian is good. I don't think he's a star star. I think you need somebody else mm-hmm. with him, along with Posey and Crawford. And that's why I'm saying a guy like a Seeger. Or, and it may not be quite that high end, but you need somebody with some pedigree that, you know, income crunch time. And look how great Corey Seager was the best player on the field last year in the postseason. He was a monster and he had huge hits, you know, in a couple of key moments in the, in the division series. Though you got to have somebody like that. You got to have a couple of guys in their prime and then you, you know, you surround it with other guys and, and we'll see what he does. It's going to be interesting.
1: Well, and and how much do you have to do that, though? Because here's the other, you know, we're talking about all the good stuff that went on with the Giants this year and, and some of their numbers and some of their players. Remember, not only did we have the team that had the most wins in the regular season at 107, right? We have probably the fastest, highest moving minor league system in the major league right now, elevating faster than anybody else's system. And we are stocked and loaded. Um, you've got guys now that we're talking about actually slowing down, right? The the Lucianos and, and some of these guys slowly. We're okay. We just signed Crawford for two years. Well, We're okay. We don't have to rush you up here. Um, Elliot perhaps, Ramos is the
0: Joey Barts. Yeah,
1: exactly. Perhaps you do allow them to come and be like the Logan Webbs and the, um, Camilo devals and, and fill those roles and not necessarily have to go out and break the bank on a quote unquote star, because what we did find out is that these guys can hold their own in the, in the postseason.
2: you know? Yeah. I, I mean, know. I would agree. I, I, I would agree. Yeah. I, I, I still, you know, I, I do think, um, I do think they're they're missing like I kind of I'm kind of in Brian's camp though I think they are missing like one or two big big pieces whether that be uh somebody out of the bullpen whether it be now I think Duval is going to be that and maybe as maybe as early as next year um but they were missing that this year uh or whether it be like a like a bull, like a, like another, a. and, and Logan Webb turned into an ace. So here I'm, I'm kind of like talking myself. myself. No, I, my I think
0: Reg, they ready. need a 1A. You can't just rely on a 24 year old that had a nice four months.
2: No, I know. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like Kevin Gossman was an ace for the first, you know, three quarters of the year um, and then kind of tapered off at the end. And it's like, man, going into game two, you're, you're kind of on the edge of your seat. Like is Kevin Gosman really like a, like a, a number two starter on a world series team? Uh, You know, I, I don't know. I just kind of lost confidence in him quickly, which is, I mean, he had a great year, but I don't know. I I just, I feel like they're missing that, that other anchor arm, like a Scherzer or somebody.
1: As we wrap up this discussion about the giants, there's a couple of things I want to touch on yet. Um, Let's talk about this 2021 pitching staff and what we were, what the team was able to get out of Gosman, Wood, the and Webb in particular. And then the guys that they ran out there as the fifth starter, whether it was Cueto or or um um I'm Sammy dropping Long. his name. Long or the the other guy that was um at once looked like he was gonna be a star years, years ago, came back oh, and pitched. Aaron Sanchez. Yeah, well Sanchez was one and so was this uh oh, what is his oh, name? Jay Jackson? Oh Scott Casmere. So, Casmir. Oh yeah you know, and and, and running those type of guys out there in the number five spot, and what we got out of that was pretty amazing. <laughs> I remember. Well, I ran the
0: numbers. Do you realize that of anybody that appeared in at least 20 games this year, only one of those pitchers had an ERA over four. That's amazing. And that was Johnny Cueto yeah. at 4.08. That was the worst ERA of any pitcher that appeared in at least 20 games for the Giants this year. You know, that's, that's, un, that's unreal. Well,
1: unreal. Overall, overall, the Giants finished second in ERA at 324. They were tied for first in saves at 56. They were they allowed the lowest number of home runs. So think about this. They led the league in home runs on offense and second overall in the MLB in, in home runs offensively. But they allowed the fewest in MLB in the entire league. They only allowed 151 home runs. They had an on-base percentage against of 230, fifth in the league. They had a whip of 1.15 as a team, second in the league. And this with a group of starters that I think at the beginning of the year, I think we all railed on, you got to be kidding me.
0: This is your pitching staff? And could you name Um, me, could you name me three relievers and I'm going to give you McGee and Rogers?
1: No, no, (laughs) you, you couldn't. And, and, and what they got out of that group is either, um, a, a tribute to an incredible scouting staff who went out and said, yeah, we can get these guys and they're better than their numbers. And, you know, we can, or the pitching coach and his staff, Andrew Bailey, or the magic wand that Kepler could wave and just get great performances out of them at the right time. I don't know which of the three it was or if it was all three, but that was an amazing performance by his staff.
0: One, they threw strikes, they didn't give up home runs. You throw strikes and don't give up home runs, you're probably going to do pretty well. And that's what they did. Uh, And and that's the key to it. And I think as you look at, as you talked about getting another ace or whatever, they're going to find guys, whoever they bring back or who they bring in, are going to be known for throwing strikes and keeping the ball in the ballpark. That's just what they're going to look for. And they're not going to focus on guys that throw 98. It's They got those guys. But I think finding guys that know how to pitch and know how to keep it in the strike zone, work quickly, it just, it was a great formula for this year. Can they repeat it? Who knows? But it was. Well,
2: side, side note, like I, it, you mentioned Scott Kazmir earlier, you know, he went in, and won a, a silver medal in between his, his two starts with the Giants. He pitched yeah. for, for the U.S. Yeah. Olympic team. I mean, it's like just the yeah. weirdest guys that we, that they, that they pulled out of, out of nowhere, you know? Who's hey, Eric, Curry. I don't know then, what else you have.
0: I was going to throw one other quick thing out. I want to just give me two words to describe the job Gabe Kaplan did this year. Just real quick, just a quick, couple quick thoughts on Gabe Kaplan.
2: Because I was not a fan better. when they hired him at all. Go ahead, Reg. <laughs> much, much better. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
1: I'd say, um, um, Matured feel.
3: I like that. I, I think gained matured respect. Feel? Oh, yeah, I see
1: he, he he his feel for the game matured. And he okay. he he left the number sheet just enough to make a couple of gut calls that were against what the numbers would say, but the right thing to do in the situation, which is something he never would have done before. Yeah. yeah. Right? Sure. Uh,
3: Jordan. I think definitely gained respect. I think that was, that was the, a big thing. I mean, he already came into a clubhouse that was strong. I um, mean, I think he just had to show that he could, you know, lead them in the way that he wanted to go. And uh, he was making all the right calls at the end of the, you know, regular season and into the playoffs. So.
1: And I think I, I want Brian to chime in on this. One of the things that I think is a testament to his leadership is he got veterans in two years to completely buy into a whole other approach to baseball. And instead of fight it and resist it, they embraced it. Now, whether we, whether we would agree with the approach or not, even if it wasn't successful, one of the things that strikes me about his leadership was that he's able to get these guys that have been pretty set in their way and had not been having the success that they once thought they would into completely changing their mindset and their game and wrap around a whole different process. And, you know, that takes a good leader.
0: And I was going to say willingly listened
1: Mm. because as
0: much as I think he said and told and explained to those veterans, I think he allowed them to pour into him as well what they knew and understood and had been successful and came up with a great balance. And I think you're right, Eric. It takes a unique individual to get everybody to buy in to the same thing. Yeah, it helps when you win 107. But when they bought in, they were picked fourth or yep. fifth in the division. Um, and I think there's that yeah. shows credit to his character as an individual. I always joke with my with my wife, and we're not going to talk about sleeping now. Um, I joke with her, I said, she would probably really... Well, we, know, enjoy, we know how she gets through the nights now, Brian. <laughs> <so. That's right. laughs> um, I, I said, you would really like and enjoy sitting down and having dinner with this guy and just talking life. I just think there's something about him that I think is very genuine, whether you agree or disagree with how he sees things, baseball world, that's irrelevant. I think he garners respect because it's real. He's not a fake. He's not, you know, putting on a show. He is who he is. And I think he's willing to listen in every aspect of life. And I think that's a credit in a world right now where that doesn't happen ever. It seems like. And so I I, I think think that's neat.
2: I, I was just gonna say. I think um, you know. Just real quick before we move on, I just wanted to say, like, as a as a you know guy who's coached myself for some time, I don't think I've I've ever had more respect for a leader of an organization than Gabe Kapler when he gave his post game press conference and he was asked about Wilmer Flores' check swing. You know, he he kind of just brushed right past it and said. You know that was not the reason we lost the game tonight. There were many other areas of the game where we lost the baseball game. You know, and and to just like it was so evident that he wasn't focused on stuff like that. Um, yeah, uh, and just like he he has a, he has a growth mindset, and I think that's how he wins guys over. That's how he gets Buster Posey to get out of the squat and catch on one knee. You know what I mean? Because he he's always thinking about. Um, you know, where, where's the 1% that we can get better. Um, And, and it's always grow, grow, grow. And so, you know, I, 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 really gained a ton of respect for him this year.
3: Cause I, I gotta be honest,
2: I was, I was getting pretty tired of him going to the pen for Trevor got, you know, night after night <laughs> at, after he gives up like five blows, five run leads last year. That was getting old. Yeah. 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 That, that was a little bit difficult, but this year was completely different.
1: 107 wins, a difficult, Hard-fought uh, series loss to the Dodgers, which somehow seems always a little easier to take when you have overachieved by the amount that they overachieved. And and I found, like Reggie said on the, on that check swing, I wasn't upset about the check swing. I was, I, it was we were in gravy time anyway. And what it really was was early in the game when they had guys in scoring position they didn't hit, and that's where they lost the game. Not on a dug on check swing with a guy on first down by a run in the ninth it was on something much different and it's much easier to take when you're not expected to be there in the first place. Uh, Don't, don't ask me if it happens next year. It may not
2: be quite that way. Um, (laughs) Eric's projection for giants, 2022, uh, 125
1: wins. Hey, let's turn our attention Uh. ever so briefly to Um, The league that is just getting underway, it was opening night here last night in the NBA. And what I think we want to do right now, just real quick, a couple of questions that each of us have on the NBA as we watch it this year, Uh, things that you might be, (laughs) the NBA Reg, Reg, the NBA stands for National Basketball Association. I know that's your first question, so let's let's get there.
2: (laughs) Fair play, sir. I was wondering where you were going with that. There, there were a lot of different directions you could have gone. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you didn't go most of them. Um, <laughs> so I the, the first question I just want to ask, I want to ask you guys, in all honesty, how many games below 500 uh, will the Lakers have to fall before LeBron James gets, quote-unquote, injured for the season and begins to blame the front office for not putting the right talent around him? It's not gonna take that, that, that was a pretty got, loaded question, there.
1: Ridge. I,
0: I got to think about it. It's a short answer, but I got to think about it for a second. Um, <laughs> Ridge, I'm going to say five. They got to get five games below 500. So, so and, and if they're and five, and five, five and doesn't ten. count. Oh, and five doesn't count. I mean, right. quarter of the way into the season, if they're five games
3: under 500, I think the Hammy might blow. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, he's going to go into the hyperbolic time chamber in, in the basement and. And just to just hang out and said, let Russell Westbrook figure it out.
2: Yep.
1: (laughs) Uh, My question, uh, which really I wasn't going to ask this question, but since Reggie brought it up is how long will Davis and, and James have patience with Mr. Westbrook as he tries (laughs) to figure it out?
2: Oh, he got, he got a long way to go based on last night's performance. I'll tell you what he finish like three for 17. It was rough. Horrible.
3: It Eight
2: was, points, it was four turnovers. Is bad, bad <laughs> news. It was yeah. rough. So, Brian, what's? Let, let's start with you.
1: Your your first question that you're you you want answered over time.
0: Well, I'll go real big picture. Will Clay Thompson's return make the Dubs a legit title contender? And again, you're talking to four Warrior fans here, so we may be a little biased, but. Does that really make them a legit title contender with this roster? And it's not just with this roster is. There's no dominant team. Milwaukee's a defending champ, and they're good, but they're, you know, they've got Giannis and a couple other good pieces, and you know, there's not a ton of depth there. Are they a legit title contender if Clay Thompson comes back? And is and I'm not talking Clay Thompson of five years ago. I'm talking. A basic facsimile of himself.
2: Yeah. Well, based on, you know, based on the way they looked last night, they're moving the ball really well. And and I think, um, I think in tandem with that question, Brian, is like if we're just, you know, starting with a Warriors focus, what does James Wiseman's development look like? Because if he if he comes if he comes in and throws his weight around a little bit, Thompson comes back, you know, relatively close, even even at like 80% of, of where he was at. I, I think you're looking at a team that could make some noise, some legitimate don't, noise. Don't, don't forget and
1: don't sleep on Kaminga too. Who's out and hurt. And as a rookie is going to provide very valuable minutes too. So I think it's, I'm with Reg. I think it's more than a question of just Thompson. If it's only Thompson that we're talking about, I probably being the optimist that I am do make, I, I think there are a contender without clay. I think they're an upper echelon contender with clay. I think they would be a legitimate contender when you talk about all three of the guys.
0: What about you, Jordan? You're the basketball wizard here. In terms of the Warriors, or a new question, but well, give me a quick response on clay and then you throw the next question out.
3: I think, I think it's going to take the Warriors one more move, probably at the trade deadline to see if anybody's fishing to, to, to give a guy, I think a wing score would be huge. I think we have pieces that we can give up. And I think, I know Kaminga didn't play last night, but once he's healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors were, were open to trading like a Kaminga Wiggins and trying to get a wing score. Because I love Clay um, and I think he's going to help tremendously. But when he comes back in January or whenever he comes back, I don't know how much you can ask of him coming off an Achilles and an ACL, And I know he's not like an explosive player in terms of his play style, but still just on a minute's restriction, probably until like late February, March. And then, you know, we got to see where we're at. So I think adding somebody at the trade deadline, if Kaminga can show flashes and he becomes like a piece that people, you know, really like, I think we could probably get something on the wing.
0: You're saying that a wing score. So you are not referring to
3: Ben Simmons. Not Ben Simmons, no, 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 and especially, <laughs> especially not with. Uh, Just wanted clarification. That's been going I knew you on. meant
0: that, but I wanted to make sure everybody knew that.
3: <laughs> not Ben Simmons, no, no, I no. can't.
1: I can't believe you'd trade one of the young guys. That that surprises I, me. I don't think that's where I go. I might trade a draft pick for future. Uh, I might trade Weissman in a second year, maybe not. But I don't think I would let go of the young guys. I would. I would see what I could. Because, generally think, uh, Eric, you're getting Eric, guys on Eric, the cheap uh, I would,
2: I would, it would be like a, a reliving of Joe Lacob after the the uh, Monte Ellis deal on this podcast, <laughs> advocating. Tears. trading, and it happened. I would boo you so hard it would just be nothing. Like people would tune in to say, "Hey, what's the newest kid in the game?" It would just be straight boo the whole time, <laughs> an hour of that. I think James it's more Eisenhower, Erica just
3: it's just more man. of a uh, maximizing you know the timeline that we have because I mean I Steph has good years left but I don't know how many more Dre has and, and as he starts declining more offensively and his movement people are going to want to start pushing him out more and once you move one of those you know either Steph, Clay, or Dre one of those guys leaves now it's kind of like it's open for you know bringing in anybody you kind of like All take right. that core piece out um, right. I think I think an extra question just to throw out, there's a lot of interesting things going on in the East, and I, I don't think you're going to see Brooklyn or Milwaukee come out. I think there's a lot of good teams in the East. Ooh. I think Atlanta has a chance
2: with oh, what they yeah. did
3: last year and what they're building on. I think oh, Is there Chicago a question a in chance. here
2: somewhere? That is a hot <laughs>
3: take. It, it's more of a take, but also a question. If you guys think you know, you're know, you going to see the, the, the normal Brooklyn, Kevin Durant, Milwaukee, Giannis, you know, come out the East, but I think I think, like I said, Atlanta, Chicago, and the Heat have legitimate chances this year to get out with all the moves they made. Chicago? I'm telling you. The I, and I, the Balls, heat, I know you routine.
0: love Jimmy Butler, but Chicago? When was the last time Chicago was in the playoffs?
3: Chicago has a legit chance. I could with see Jordan that. in high school? I'm telling okay. you, man. That. <laughs> And I don't mean Orlando Michael. Ball, I mean this one. DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. I, <laughs> I was with I'm you until you God, said Chicago. Chicago, watch out for Chicago.
1: All right. Well, we're we okay. he's called it. We're going. We're looking for Chicago. We'll, we'll see what that is. My question is: is my, will Kyrie Irving get vaccinated?
2: <laughs> mm. Interesting. I don't know. Uh, that's a loaded question that that could go 100
0: different questions reg so so eric can i spin off that because i have a second one before we go to reg so i want to know when did the league when did the nba go from being showtime to the national Enquirer? do you follow my question yeah you know what showtime is right the Lakers and the, just the fun, you know, I even think Showtime, the Kings with Jason Williams and Chris Webber, the Warriors with the passing and the shooting. And now I swear, I feel like anytime I turn on anything NBA, I feel like I'm watching the, watching the National Enquirer.
3: Am I wrong? <laughs> I feel like nobody <laughs> wants to touch that. That's so <laughs> <bad>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There is, there is uh, there is like a, like a WWE piece to it. And I think, you know, like, I think that, I think the NBA was the first league to really embrace social media. Um, and I think this is the, the manifestation of all that, uh, you know, where uh, you know, the things that happen off the court are just as intriguing to the fan base as the things that happen on the court. And I don't know that that's necessarily bad for the league from an entertainment standpoint, to be completely honest. I mean, um, you know, like that's, it, it keeps fans engaged, be, you know, it, it would probably do baseball a lot of good to, to think of something like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, okay. All
0: right. Uh, I want to hear Jordan's take. Cause I don't make sure he even knows where I'm going on this.
3: No, I, I I hear you. I, I, I'm i very, I actually agree a lot with Reg. I just think basketball is just one of those sports that it's like, I, I don't know if it's more ingrained in, in pop culture and, and things outside of the actual playing surface. Um, but you always, I feel like we always hear, you know, a lot of craziness going on. and I think this year, just with everything going on in society in general, you're going to, you know, it's going to be more stuff off the court, that's the focus than it would be on the court, I guess,
0: at least in the start of the season. Do you think that's partly also because there are just so few players compared to a major league baseball or NFL roster?
3: For sure. And I think it's like the NBA does a great job of just like individual image, right? Like, I mean, LeBron James, like you don't have to be an NBA fan. to know LeBron James or Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, like for whatever reason, I feel like the NBA compared to a lot of other sports, the image And them just being on the court and, like you said, less players. You can see their face. There's no helmet. There's no hat. Um, It's just always been that way.
2: And a lot of them are getting into the entertainment industry, right? Like LeBron James, you know, he revamped Space Jam. Steph Curry has, like, a television show, a miniature golfing television show. You know, like, these guys have primetime deals and they're, you know, they're so their faces are known. I, I think truly also what's exacerbating it all is that, that we're we're still in a in a position in society where sports have not returned to their level of prominence and people's priority list as the rest of what's going on in the world quite yet or or at least the way that they were prior to the pandemic i would say um you know i, I don't think that we're fully back in that regard as as a as a United, as a, as a nationwide fan base in terms of willingness to engage in sports and, and whatnot, there's still a lot of other things on people's mind um, where, you know, like heading down to the local bar with your buddies to be a rabid, you know, uh, Oklahoma city thunder fan for, for a night is, is not like the end all be all for people right now. Still, if well, especially
0: sense. the Oklahoma city thunder,
2: but. <laughs> yeah, that was
0: probably, like, <laughs> the worst,
2: the st- worst. Uh, wait, wait, they uh, still they have, have a franchise. <laughs> I've lost track.
3: Can you name two <laughs> players?
2: On the Thunder?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Shy Gilgis Alexander. Oh, I knew yeah, that was yeah. the one. That's the only one I I gave know. you one. I gave you one, Reg. Come on.
2: <laughs> yeah, man, I, jeez, the Thunder, I, I have no idea who the Thunder having. Where They still have, uh.
1: Fergie No, he went to Toronto. I have no, no idea.
0: What about <laughs> you, Eric? Man. What's your, what's your thought on that? Because you're. You're even remember even further back than I do you remember when yeah. the NBA Finals was on tape delay yeah yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Um, I, I don't know I just know that I, I think part of it comes that's it, it, a let me let me first paint it as as a combination positive negative. The drama seems to follow empowerment, right? which I think is a great thing. Um, Players now feel more empowered uh, perhaps in the NBA than they do in other leagues because there is so few and they command so much and they get paid more than the average. And so they, they have more, um, more empowerment. And so the situation in Philadelphia right now with, with Simmons and the team and just you know, and and the, the situation now going on with the Kings, with Bagley, it's going to get to a same kind of a place, um, perhaps. Um, it, players have more vocal power and they can try to flex their muscles in ways that are sometimes appropriate and sometimes not. And I think that's why maybe there's more uh, drama now than there has been, um, because they feel they have more control. and. Feel that they are a little bit more immune to some of the negative stuff that can come from taking, um, you know, their own career in their own hands and and saying, yeah, I want out, you know, or I'm not wanted or I need this player to be with me or things of that nature. So maybe that contributes to the soap opera nature somewhat, but um, I don't know.
0: I thought it was an interesting and and it wasn't as it being negative, it's just I feel like we spend so much more time talking about the soap soap opera part of the league that we've lost a little bit of the focus of the enjoyment that is the game.
1: Yeah, my my last question, real quick, because we're we're at time, but my my last question is if you watched any of the action on opening night and tonight, were you impressed by the quality of basketball that was played?
3: No way. Horrible basketball, sloppy, lots of turnovers, very much open gym ish as coach Paul Trevor would love to say. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> open, very, gym-ish, Fred. very open gym ish.
2: I agree with Jordan. That That's a lot of, say- I, you know, I, I think it's going to take a few weeks for guys to get their, their feet underneath them, you know, and it's a, it was a shorter, um, off season this year. So, um, I don't know, man. These guys, these guys train at such a high level that any 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 curveball in their training regimen can can really throw off the their preparation for a new season. And I think um, these last two years have been really weird for those guys, you know. So, um, I mean, I don't want to make excuses. They're professional athletes making millions of dollars, but they're also um, like in a way, and I mean this like with the most amount of awe and respect possible they're like scientific machines in the way that they prepare and um the science has been thrown off with all of the with all of the changes in schedule the starts and stops over the last few years the you know um so i, I think it's going to take them a few weeks to get their legs underneath them but three weeks from now i, I think the level of play will return to normal.
0: Brian? I mean, I only saw a little bit of the, I saw the last eight minutes of the Warrior game last night, and I thought that was fun basketball because they moved the basketball. I love the beauty of the moving the ball and putting the ball in hands of guys that can actually shoot it. And they did a good job of that. The Lakers did not. You know, stand, 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 hoist. To me, that is the most boring thing in the world to watch. I think in general, if the league can get back to the moving, cutting, passing, shooting, it's got a chance. If it gets overly dull with a lot of one-on-one. I think the NBA's 12, trouble. Their, their ratings are abysmal the last two years, abysmal. And if they don't make some sort of an adjustment, I'm a little concerned long-term. Yeah. I am.
1: I, I would agree. I watched a little bit of the the Knicks and uh, Celtics tonight before we started and the level to which they have taken one-on-one basketball, um, and did not move the ball and did not share and didn't was incredible. Now the crowd was, was lit and, and, and there was lots of noise and it was back and forth up and down um, open gymish. But um, the one-on-one stuff had, it was taken to an all time high with those two teams and they're pretty highly thought of teams in the East. So that's what all when Jordan brought up the East that was what I had in my mind uh was that kind of basketball and there's no way that that plays well uh into May and and June but you know that was just one little glimpse anyway um we will talk about the NBA in more detail at a later date but as for now I hope you guys have enjoyed our discussion on the 2021 San Francisco Giants and just some kind of off-the-wall questions about the NBA as we come up on the start of the 21-22 season for the association. For Get In The Game, my name's Eric Davis. My partner, Brian Nelson, is here. Jordan Santa Maria, Reggie Wright. We want to say thank you for listening making us a part of your podcast uh, library. So, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, remember this. Get in the game.
0: You've been listening to Get In The Game. An exclusive presentation of the Blue Chip Sports Network. Get in the game with Eric, Brian, Reggie, and Jordan on iTunes, the Blue Chip Broadcasting YouTube channel, and bluechipbroadcasting.com.